Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. $350 can get you pretty far when you're looking for something to eat. For me, that equals about 20 or so carne asada super burritos from La Taqueria, or more than a month's worth of groceries, perhaps even longer than that. But for many hopeful foodies, $350 is what they're willing to pay for just one meal. Yes, just one, and they'd have to fight to spend it. I'm talking about the very fancy and very hard-to-get tasting menu at Thomas Keller's famed French laundry restaurant in Napa Valley. For nearly three decades, the Three Michelin-starred restaurant has been one of the hottest restaurants in America. Getting to dine there might be as hard as securing a ticket to, say, a BTS concert. Chronicle food critic Solejo has dined there three times. After years of offering their insights into the Bay Area food scene, they've only just published their French Laundry review last week. Soleil raises an important question in their review. Is the French Laundry worth the splurge? The story went viral, and people had a lot to say about it. So the Chronicle wanted to open up that discussion. Earlier this week, Soleil and I hopped onto Twitter spaces to dig into why they think French Laundry isn't worth that hefty spend and what goes into reviewing a restaurant with such lofty expectations. Today's episode of Fifth Emission is a recording of my live conversation with Soleil Ho. It's been edited for time and clarity. Be sure to check out Soleil's French Laundry Review online at sfchronicle.com food. There you can also find another story, which is a collection of reader responses to the question, is the French Laundry overhyped or worth it? Follow us on Twitter for future Twitter Spaces conversations. We're at Fifth and Mission. Here's my conversation with Chronicle food critic Solejo. French Laundry, as we know, is a household name. And whether or not you've dined there, political junkies uh, know it as the site that helped spur Governor Gavin Newsom's recall when he was seen dining there early in the pandemic against state guidelines. And foodies regard it as a mecca. So, Soleil, I wanted to ask you first, what makes French Laundry such an important institution? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So French Laundry it's on a lot of people's bucket lists. And it's a certain kind of person, right? Like a person who is really into fine dining or even the history of like Europhilic cuisine in in America. Mm -hmm. Um, The French Laundry is sort of the place, right? Where the ball got rolling um, as far as like kind of modern fine dining in the US. Because for a long time, fine dining restaurants were very much enthrall to Europe and continental uh-huh. cuisine. Um, it was mostly just imitating what was happening in France, for instance. And the French Laundry came up at a time when California cuisine started becoming a huge thing out here. You know, it's no coincidence that it, that it is in Yountville in Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. And before it was Thomas Keller's French Laundry, it was Sally Schmidt's French Laundry, which also was huge in California cuisine. So when Keller took it over, 
the name stayed the same, but it really was an attempt to move American fine dining away from that shadow of Europe and kind of strike out on its own as a, a presence. And you see that now in its still contemporary involvement in the Bocuse d'Or, which is this huge like international culinary competition. And like it's sort of the Olympics of fine dining where different countries send teams to uh, the sort of arena to cook um, a, a meal and be judged on it. As a restaurateur, Thomas Keller is a huge name in the American food scene. He has restaurants everywhere. He has Per Se in New York, which also has Michelin stars. Um, Ad Hoc also in Yountville, and he has a huge imprint on the food scene also as, as, his, as his staff or people who used to work for him have gone out and created their own restaurants like Grant Ackett's in Chicago with Alinea, for instance, Corey Lee with Bainu in San Francisco. So the impact of the restaurant is pretty major. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get into. And in your <laughs> yes. review, Soleil, you talk about how hard it is to get in there. There's this black market, you call it, for online reservations. And um, last night I was having dinner with my dad and he's an avid Chronicle reader. And unprompted, he brought up your review and asked me <laughs> asked me to ask you for some tips on how to get in there <laughs> since you were able to get in there three times, right, over the past few years. Uh, tell me more about how this online black market works. Right, so... Uh... There's a website called Talk, which sells tickets to fine dining restaurants generally. And restaurants like the French Laundry will drop reservations in, in sort of bulk, um, maybe once a month at a certain time, right? And so the French Laundry drops its reservations, um, I believe it's at 10 o'clock a.m. on the first of every month for the following month. And those reservations will disappear within seconds. Um, you might like be looking on the calendar and trying to pick a date that might work for you. And then all of a sudden, the dates are all gray. People are just very, very fast with this. And sometimes um, it's a lot easier to get tables of four. So often they will take to the internet. Um, there's a special Facebook group where this happens or there's a Reddit page. And they'll say, you know, I have a four top for October 31st. And it's me and my partner and we need two people and, you know, people will kind of compete to get those spots. Um, other times, other people, you know, for whatever reason, won't be able to make it or have reservations they want to sell. And they might just sell it at cost on Reddit or Facebook, or they'll sell it with a finder's fee. And in my experience, the finder's fee was about $300, uh, for a two top, which was oh. would have bumped it up to about thousand dollars for dinner. Wow! Um, for for you know, a, a, like when you think about a fee, right? You think like, oh yeah, like you, you pay a fee for like extra labor or something. Literally, the labor of like clicking on a button, which is ridiculous. But I did not take up people on uh, their fee. Uh, tickets because I just felt a little weird about asking the Chronicle to pay for that. And you ended up in the, your last visit, you ended up joining a stranger's 10th wedding anniversary. This is really sort of exemplifying the kind of loops people go into just to dine there, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You have to be down for whatever if you're mm -hmm. going to join people. Um, you never really know what it's going to be like. I remember one... Um, one person posted in the Facebook group about how they had a four top and had 
two spaces open and she said but just, just so you know we're republicans and there was this <laughs> whole like shit storm that ensued in the comments for wow. some reason but like i would i would hope that you just disclose any sort of anything that you know you don't want to fight with anyone over dinner you just want to make sure, sure you know everyone no, especially like, when you're paying 350 dollars for it yeah <laughs> um, right yeah it's so it could be awkward um luckily it was not awkward for us so, so Leigh, you've dined at French Laundry three times, and this place obviously has so much hype. And as a food critic, what's your approach when you visit a restaurant like this? And is it different than when you maybe visit a mom and pop shop or something that's more modest or unknown? How do you sort of navigate your expectations when you go to a place like French Laundry? Well, I think um, you can't go to a place like that without any expectations, you know, mm-hmm. you, and, and part of it is the job I think is going in informed. The hard mm-hmm. part is that um, a fine dining restaurant, generally speaking, is going to be way more invested in knowing what all the critics look like mm-hmm. and keeping track of all their aliases and just like making sure that they know um, the second a critic walks through the door and everyone's just on their toes. Right. Um the first time I went, that was abundantly clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Keller walked out as I was waiting in the courtyard for my table and like gestured for a fist bump, like directly. So it was like a very strong like declaration uh-huh. of like, hello, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was like the most uh, reluctant fist bump I've ever given. Goodness. I was like, okay, I guess. Yeah, you can't really <laughs> refuse a this. fist bump. I guess that's kind of hard, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he was very grace- gracious about it and um, definitely was being very welcoming, but in a way that wasn't typical for a normal diner. So I had to note that, right? Like for ethics reasons. Um, so yeah, like the only thing that is like, actually very hard about a fine dining restaurant is as a critic you may not get the most um, typical reception and you have to be aware of that we'll be right back you can support the newsroom that creates fifth emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the san francisco chronicle app I want to get into your review, which was so buzzy on the internet last last week. It got so much reaction. Um, and you mentioned in your review that you felt like maybe the pandemic had changed the French laundry in some way. It felt more casual than the before times. You mentioned that the dining room even played Taylor Swift. There wasn't really a dress code. You also wrote that the menu came off like it was, quote, playing it safe and that you were Quote, struck mostly by how beige, repetitive, and one note everything was. So was that a pandemic casualty or something else? I don't think it was necessarily a pandemic casualty. Although I, you know, I I think there's a non-zero chance that the pandemic has impacted the way they do their food. Um, But, uh, you know, it's a very well-resourced restaurant and you are paying a lot of money and they are... (laughs) charging the same amount and so you sort of have to think about it in in those terms too because money is hard to find right like it's hard to come by for people in general right now um so it's even more precious to uh charge that amount for for a meal um but yeah no like i went twice before the pandemic once like right before lockdown in february 2020 and i had similar sort of concerns about the food um the the things that really changed were just like the the table layout um and 
the playlist got a, a lot more informal and the dress code, which was sort of famously like one of the few restaurants that required jackets for male presenting people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I mean, the chef to cuisine, Dave Breeden has been the same for, for a few years now. And um, I have just haven't been really that excited about the kind of food that, that, that I've had at the French laundry. Um, and the only times I've been there have been during his tenure. So I think there's a consistency there. And can you spotlight some dishes that maybe demonstrated how things were playing it safe? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in the review, uh, I was surprised about how much I had to say about the salmon cornet dish, which is one of the more famous French laundry dishes. It's this um, kind of savory twill, which is a extremely thin sort of typically like a cookie type dessert. Um, and it's flexible when you bake it. So people can kind of bend it into different shapes. So it's a salmon cornet, which is shaped like an ice cream cone and has a salmon tartare and creme fraiche on the inside. Um, one of the big French laundry dishes, they always have it and they wrap it up in a little napkin, make it cute with wings. Um, and in the past couple years, they've updated it with, um, to sort of make it a reference to an everything bagel, mm-hmm. um, scattering it with uh, the, the sort of seeds, you know, the toasty seeds that you see on an everything bagel and making it more kind of cream cheese-ish forward so like you know the idea is like uh there's onion in it there's the the cream there's the salmon there's the the seeds everything bagel and for me I was just like okay how does this read in 2022 when pretty much everyone I know has that little shaker of the Trader Joe's like everything bagel seeds already in their pantry you have everything bagel tortillas out there Mm -hmm. you have the croissants like it's just already kind of been a thing Um, yeah I literally used it this morning on my toast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, so I was thinking about like how a dish like this reads for a place that is sort of supposed to be innovative and fun and like surprising. Um, and I think the original dish was already surprising enough. Mm-hmm. And the seeds, the everything bagelification of it just made it seem tired. It made it seem like, oh, this is easy. Like, okay. Um, it just didn't seem, it didn't live up to kind of the expectations set by the dinner. Like, yeah. okay. I, I could eat this on toast like anytime. Like what is, what is the big deal? You know? Right. Right. Well, everything bagel seasoning aside, I mean, did the dining experience did the ambiance feel like a $350 experience for those of us <laughs> who may not be able to afford or be able to step foot in the restaurant? I mean, it really, I, I hate to say it, but it depends on your perspective, right? Yeah. Like imagine first class on an airplane and they are just really treating you like, an adult baby where you <laughs> cannot do anything by yourself. And for a lot of people, that is what they're paying for, right? Like I can't fold my own napkin. I can't open my own bathroom door. Um, what, regardless of your ability, right? Um, I don't know. I, I just am enrobed in this experience. I'm in ultimate comfort. And in that way, you know, it's been mixed, you know, sometimes that came through and other times, um, you kind of feel like it feels like a factory. Like you're just kind mm-hmm. of being ferried through the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just is, I don't know. Like, again, I'm okay with feeling that at La Tacaria where like it literally is an assembly line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I pay my money for my burrito for that experience. But at a place like the French Laundry where, you know, people bring a sort of set of expectations of what service is. Um, yeah. That, that, plays a little differently right 
Soleil, as I've mentioned, your French Laundry review went viral. People had a lot of feelings about it. And so the Chronicle put out a Twitter poll, which 15,000 people voted in. We asked them whether or not they agreed with your take. And I want to pull out some responses here. A reader named Michelle said it was worth it, writing, quote, it's a beautiful experience. I witnessed art with my food, and it should be appreciated as a medium in itself, like going to a Broadway play or a fabulous art exhibit. Another reader, another reader pointed out, quote, no meal is worth $350 when basic needs of the broader population are not being met. And Soleil, I know that you spend a lot of time thinking about food justice and inequities in the restaurant industry. Did that also sort of factor into your review as well? I mean, when I read that question that you put forth, I was mm-hmm. really, it got me thinking a lot about about that. I and mean, certainly, like, I, I think I have a reputation for being very political in my writing or just like, you know, being honest about where politics like intersects with food because it does intersect with everything that we do. Um, I think the separation is sort of a, <laughs> it's, it's false. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, uh, yeah, I, I see that a lot, right? I see that reaction, the, the latter reaction a lot um, because it's true. We live in a time of a lot of like inequity, wealth inequality and stratification, and it's only getting worse, especially during the pandemic, right? Like, I think the pandemic especially has radicalized a lot of people and made them realize, you know, a lot of people um, were suffering financially and materially throughout this. And we have seen the richest of the rich get even richer. Um, Why is that, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's caused a lot of, I think it's made the sort of online discourse. And I think a lot of just average people think more about that and about, um, capitalism (laughs) um and i don't think a restaurant like the french laundry you know would exist without stratification right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's meeting a need that has been created by stratification and inequality and the inequality of like resource um allocation in american society like that's real um Mm -hmm. but that was not something I wrote about in the review because it was already much, much too long for the word count that we are permitted. Um, sure. But, you know, certainly I have a lot of thoughts. Like in in today's newsletter, I wrote a bit about just, you know, the concept of money and how it's so arbitrary. You know, mm-hmm. $350 for one person is completely different depending on how they got that money, right? If you are really into playing stocks, right? And you made that amount of money just taking a nap and waiting for your stock prices to go up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so different than if you are a minimum wage worker and 350 is like your week's salary. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it, mm-hmm. of course, it's never going to be worth it to you because you have other things you need to pay for. So that question is so complicated and so rich because no one will agree. Because we live in a society of unequals. Um, I think that's a really interesting part of it. Mm -hmm. And there is also this part where maybe your review doesn't sway people. Um, Maybe the allure of going to French Laundry one day is still something they have bookmarked. They want to do it just because maybe they have the means to it. I mean, my dad read your review from top to bottom. I know he trusts what you have to say, but he still said to me last night, I I think I'm still curious. I just want to try it for the experience. That's probably just going to be a part of French Laundry's appeal in the long run, right? Oh, I think it's really human to want to 
to know. I mean, mm-hmm. to to want to see for yourself and know what all the fuss is about. If you have the means to do it, you're going to do it. Like if I hear, you know, the, the friggin' blue angels outside my window, I'm going to look. Uh, <laughs> you're just right. curious, naturally. Right. Uh, and the thing I want to talk about too here is that as a critic, I think people assume that I write to be agreed with, and that's not necessarily it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the job is to be a good critic. You have to just be able to lay out all the all the factors that led you to coming to an opinion. You want to just like that's the job, right? Like that's what a, a review is is really just showing your work. You know, you can't just say, like, I liked it, the end. You have to say why. Um, And people are free to agree or disagree, but just read the piece. Yeah. Were you surprised by all the reactions to your piece? How did you feel about that? (laughs) Uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, there's a lot of um, emotional investment in places like the French Laundry because it's so historically relevant. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things, too, where you... You, because this is like a once in a lifetime thing for a lot of people, um, honesty doesn't necessarily serve a kind a place like this, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's less, it's less about whether or not, like what the reality of it was and more just, I did it. I checked the box. I am cool. Or like, I have done this thing, right? Like I belong. I don't know. I like to think about it. This is so sacrilegious. I grew up Catholic, but like, I think about it how like, the first time I ate one of those communion wafers, because that's part of the mass on Sunday, uh, I was like, this doesn't taste good. But that wasn't the point. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Right. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's, it's, it's about the whole like rigmarole. Right. Right. And in and, and that way, it is like very much um, just, again, like the reality, the sort of dryness of the wafer doesn't matter. Right. Right. So... Soleil, if French laundry maybe isn't worth the splurge, are there any three Michelin-starred restaurants that are? You've reviewed so many restaurants. Do others stand out to you? Oh, yeah. Um, Geez, you know, there's a handful in the Bay Area. Um, I love Single Thread a lot. Um, Saison, I'm a big fan of. Oh, actually, no, it's not three Michelin-starred. But (laughs) Quince also... I think, you know, between between all of us girls, um, I think Cyrus has just reopened in um, just up up in Sonoma County. And I think that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, good shoe in, I think, for the Michelin stars once that that rolls around. You must hear this a ton. You really do seem to have like the best job in the world and your work speaks for itself. You just won a James Beard Award for your food criticism. in, in your point of view, what is the role of a food critic and how do you think your criticism has maybe evolved in the last three years since you've joined the Chronicle? Any criticism, right, of art or film or whatever is about taking the medium seriously um, and demonstrating how, you know, taste is a process. Um, it's not necessarily just like a sort of mannequin, like black and white thing. Things aren't just necessarily good or bad. Um, it's about really blowing out all the detail of a place and like all the intention and all the impact and, and talking about it. And I think that is in a sense um, to me, like one of my sort of concerns as a political like human is media literacy and just literacy in general. 
Um, and for me, food criticism is also about like imparting kind of lessons about um, being able to quote unquote, like read the world around you and really interpret and, and not take things on face value and, and really like just analyze, analyze, analyze <laughs> um, until you run other things to say. Cause I think like that is a good practice um, mm-hmm. just to be engaged with the world around us. Leg, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me about this. Thank you. Salejo is the James Beard award-winning food critic at The Chronicle. Their review of Thomas Keller's French Laundry is online now at sfchronicle.com slash food. There you can also find a second story where readers weigh in on the debate over whether or not the restaurant is worth the splurge. If you want even more foodie analysis from Salejo, sign up for their newsletter at sfchronicle.com slash bite curious. That's B-I-T-E curious. And for more about about the Bay Area food scene and maybe more affordable options, be sure to check out the Chronicle's top restaurant guides, which help you with everything from the best burritos to the best restaurants in the Peninsula region. Those guides are also at sfchronicle.com food. Thank you to Erica Carlos for producing the Twitter Spaces conversation, to Sarah Feldberg for the episode edits, and to you for listening. <laughs>